Hey, welcome everyone to episode 14 of the Roundabout Productions podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Michael. Uh, with me this week, Tom Dano, still here, kicking. And Austin Suddeth. Yeah, remotely Austin Suddeth. So, guys, we were just having a great conversation right before I hit the play button, or record button, about uh, beer. Mm -hmm. And uh, Austin, you yes. had, uh, you've had an interesting new experience with beer. But can you call it beer? I mean, I guess it's kind of a beer. But. It, hold on. I, I, I've got one right here. You give me just one second, sir. It's like hockey guy far away from the mic. Yeah, it was. That yeah. was hockey. I will get this. All right. So it's. Don't make it's me those get Eckies. It's that angry. Has come out. Angry with, gamer far away from the mic. <laughs> uh, you know, it happens. Those Eckies has come out with what they call the full name. Dos Equis Lager Especial, the flavor. So this one's pineapple beer with natural flavors. You didn't okay. say it was Especial. That changes everything. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, everything. that's just Dos Equis brand. So I am just baffled by like in the past two years. How is like you heard White Claw come out and then like every single person now has like flavor drinks. You got Bud Light Seltzer. Keystone has a seltzer truly just like comes out of nowhere and they're like, hey, we're better than White Claw. And now Dos Equis is in the mix of all of this. It just goes to show you how much of a fad that whole beer industry is, because the thing before the seltzers was IPAs. Everyone yeah. wanted IPAs. I can't stand IPAs personally, but that was the big thing for a while. Well, I think like IPAs is like a like it's a niche like the people who like IPAs are still going to be like, oh, IPA over everything. But, you know, no, I don't think so, because I think the people who like IPAs are the frat boys who are now drinking seltzers. So here's interesting for you. White Claw has actually been around since 2016. Yes. I did mm -hmm. not know that previously. But it really didn't hit popularity until about, what, two years ago? They're saying 2019. And what makes me chuckle about this article is it's Wikipedia, right? So take it for what it's worth. But it, right. cre it credits YouTube comedian Trevor Wallace for making a video about them that had 4.2 million views. And I guess that's whoever wrote this, which it's wiki. So God bless. It could be anybody. Could be that Trevor guy. But it says, so as of 2019, White Claw was noted the top selling hard seltzer in the country, dominating 60% of the category market. That's pretty huge. That is 60% is a huge market share. I mean, like. That is Microsoft level of market share in like the PC space. So according to Forbes, who's Von Mandel? Sorry, I'm reading this as we go here. I'm trying to figure out. This says $4 billion revenue in 2020. And I don't know if that's White Claw, if that's the hard seltzer category. Stats and info, Dano. That is, that is the creator of White Claw. Wow. Well, did you ever hear four billion by 2020? Well, did you ever hear the story? Have you have you ever heard the story of how the guy who created Grey Goose, I think it was Grey Goose. Yes. Got it on the map. Mm -hmm. Go. Yeah, it's a great story, though. So the guy who started Grey Goose Vodka, right, was doing I mean, it, it was doing horrible. Um, and I believe it was Grey Goose. I may have to fact check. No, this, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, It, it was one of those. Right. Mm. And um, so he was selling it for like 20 bucks. Or at least the other times you've told me the story, it was Grey Goose. At least I'm consistent <laughs> with my... consistent. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's selling it for like, I think it's 20 bucks a bottle at clubs and stuff. And just, it wasn't doing well at all. 
And so what he did was all he decided to do, right? He didn't change the alcohol at all. All he did was double the price, put made in France on the crate and made it harder to find and instant success. When that guy, that guy died in 2010. So the article I read had to have been in like 2009 or something like that. He sold Grey Goose God vodka for $1.5 billion. I love it. And they estimated that his profit off of that, outside of like what he spent to get it started up and up and running and everything, was $1.3 billion. Ugh. He basically started a company for $200 million and sold it for $1.5 billion. That is amazing. Just That's by doubling, Just by doubling the price of his... Uh, just just by doubling the price of the vodka, putting made in France and making it harder to find. That is pretty incredible. Wild. Well, going back to the beer and the seltzer thing, Dano made a comment about how he tried the Bud Light seltzer and how it just tastes weird. Yeah. And I, my thing about this Dos Equis is I didn't even read it out. They don't even hide it. It's like, oh no, this is beer, and we threw flavoring in it. Yeah, best of luck. I don't, I don't think we were recording when I told my analogy for um, what Bud Light seltzer tasted like, but it's exactly like what Austin just described. Where my, as I was drinking it, I kept thinking this tastes like they made this in the same vat. I don't know what the hell you call it. Call it a vat <laughs> that they make Bud Light in, and they didn't clean the Bud Light out real good before they started making, you know hard cherry seltzer or whatever the hell I was drinking in it. But yeah, just a weird aftertaste. Yeah, no, the, the Bud Light, like you, you take that initial or the Dos Equis, you take that initial sip and it's like, I'm drinking beer. And then like half a second later, like there's flavoring in this. And then after it's like the aftertaste, it's like, I've just been drinking beer, which, all right, Nate, the, there's a variety pack, multiple, multiple flavors. You've got pineapple, right? That's a that's pretty common. Watermelon, little odd because I won't pair watermelon with beer. Cucumber, and last but not least, salt and lime. Hmm. Which, by far, the worst one is salt and lime because it literally just tastes like you're drinking salt. I say that's a weird one. Yeah, that doesn't sound particularly. Like I know how people like dress up their beard. They'll put salt on the rim or a little bit of salt in there with a the lime all about that had it before gotta be in a mood for it but like the fact that it's flavored into the beer tastes like i'm drinking salt yeah that's that's the tough part of that one is like man like i i, I like a hint of lime or a little hint of salt like i don't want it in my entire beer that's kind of yeah that's kind of out there i'm not a huge fan of that the interesting development I'm seeing now, too, is have you seen White Claw now has White Claw Surge? No. Because if 5% was not good enough, hold my, not hold my beer, <laughs> hold my seltzer, here comes 8%. Wow. 8%. So, which I, I think we're just going to come full circle and we're eventually just going to end up back at Four Locos. Right. That's right. Uh, that is where I feel like the industry is going is toward back towards four locos. Four locos is ahead of its time because now you're seeing it with the the uh, my addiction is is it still out there? You can't. Four can loco? you still get four? Yeah, loco? but it's like the 
it's like the tame version of it. Because remember that I, the way I remember that was that it was original Four Loco was like an unhealthy amount of caffeine and an insane amount of booze, and that is what was giving people like these violent blackouts. But they were still so revved up on caffeine. The stories were like you weren't blacked out for an hour; you were blacked out for like eight hours and because you had yeah. you didn't fall asleep right? right so they told them you had to cut down the caffeine or whatever but i would like to think that now because my addiction is seltzer waters with caffeine in it we're just gonna and now we've got eight percent white claw surge eventually they're all just gonna come together and we're gonna end up back at four locos after all which you still won't drink What's when did the-, the white claw surge come out it was announced a, a week ago all right so they're responding to truly because truly did it first truly came out with truly extra which is eight percent and it's like four or six more ounces than the regular cans i'm just gonna stick to liquor yeah (laughs) that's what i that's what i'm hearing out of all this i'm gonna stick to liquor give me my whiskey give me my rum give me my vodka and there was there was a point that i did do a lot of beer but i just do liquor now Boy, that makes me sound like an alcoholic. I mean, you know, I just go straight to the hard stuff. <laughs> I love me the hard stuff. Liquor's quicker. Have you had either I don't of know. you? Tr- truly, they're, they're, they've got peach mango and like I'm I've been hunting for that for two weeks and I can't find it around here. So speaking of peach mango, I'm going to shift tack a little bit here, but it, it, it reminded me. I tried the peach mango rowdy energy drink. The energy drink by Kyle Busch yep. uh, of NASCAR fame. Not impressed. NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't not. I mean, like, it wasn't bad. Yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't know that I would grab it again. Interesting. Have either of you tried uh, High Noon, which is no. a real vodka and real juice in a can mixture? No, I don't do a lot of pre-mixed stuff. That it is. That's it, well, and I'll say that's the thing. I don't mix. I don't really mix much. That, like I drink my stuff straight. Those sound like a recipe for trouble. Yeah. So I mean, that's the that's the problem. Well, it, you say it's a recipe for trouble, right? Yeah. But that's the thing about mixing with fruits. They're real sugary and kind of heavy, and you're just gonna get kind of full, and you're never really gonna get drunk. <laughs> I, did it, and maybe this is just the people I surround myself with. But I remember like when the White Claw Summer first started popping off, everyone was like, well, it hydrates you, too. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's that. Uh-huh. I don't think that's really how it works exactly. But yeah, I remember that was supposed to be. I knew somebody was like, well, yeah, I drink the White Claws during the day because they hydrate me. That's like saying Everclear hydrates you because it's clear. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But hey, I mean, beer is what? 90 percent water. So, I mean, it it technically hydrates you, too. <sighs> yeah. We. <laughs> yeah i'm good please tell me because you said you said it like this so I, I gotta know it does it actually say real vodka on there it does it's a, there if you go to high no free ads i guess shit um nah, especially not a url mention yeah. Jeez, dana hard seltzer real vodka plus real juice What's because right, I want to know what fake vodka is now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Has anybody had fake vodka? What is fake yeah. vodka? Uh, it's, it's not the good shit. <laughs> Would you rather have real vodka and fake juice or fake vodka and real juice? Depends. Is it morning or evening? <laughs> wow. Uh, well, for the sake of this, let's make it the evening. I don't want to paint the visual that you're like 
popping out of bed. I, I'd rather have fake juice. Yeah, I could do fake juice with real vodka in the evening. But if it's the morning and you just, you know, have I a need the real juice and I want fake vodka. There you go. Because you need your vitamins in the morning. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, no, I, I don't need the the fakes, the fake juices. I need to get my morning started right. There you go. Your body is a temple. <laughs> <laughs> so NFTs have been the craze. As of late, right? I know everybody in the sports world, it's NBA Top Shot. Um, Michael and I were following WWE with The Undertaker. They had their first run of NFTs come out, which I think The Undertaker big one went for like $100,000 or something. Um, but one that I stumbled upon that I think is pretty interesting is it's, I, I guess it's a game, right? But it's called Zed Run. Where you are, the way, this is the way the article I found describes it. It's an online game which has generated hype and consternation, big word there, in equal measure, allows for digital horse ownership, as well as just about anything you'd want to do with an online horse, like racing, trading. You did, you did say horse. 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 Yes. horse. As in like an equine. Horse. 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 Equine? Equi- equine. Equine. Equine? Yeah. Is that that's short for equestrian? Well, it's a. No. I've never heard the word equine, so I'm trying to. Yeah, Austin, back me up here. It's equine, right? Sure. Yes. There we it's go. Equine. Right. <laughs> equestrian is something you do. Virtual equine. Yes. Virtual equine. Vaquine, if you will. <laughs> I just want to make sure it wasn't like whores, not. Uh, no, horses. <laughs> horses. Am <laughs> I not being clear here? Horses. <laughs> With that accent, it was hard to the, tell. I don't know where the confusion's coming in. Whore sis. <laughs> anyway, so you can you buy a virtual horse and you can race it, trade it, and even breed horses, right? So the only way I can make sense of any of this is originally, I guess you could get in on this and you could buy a NFT horse and each horse has an NFT code assigned to it. You could originally get them for like $30, right? Now, I guess what has happened over time is through breeding of these digital horses, some horses are much more valuable than others. I don't know what creates value in these horses. I don't know if it's their racing ability. I don't know how any of that works. But to put a bow on this, one horse just sold for $125,000. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Huh. That's uh, Wow. The range of them right now, digital horse. Yes, that's the high end, but the range that it says is around fifteen thousand. What? Yes. Okay. So how do I start breeding digital horses so where I don't have to work anymore? Well, and why don't why not just buy a real horse? So in two thousand nineteen, they sold four thousand four hundred and fifty digital horses with an average price of about thirty dollars. Relied on NFT technology to establish proof of ownership and allow for secondary transactions on sites like OpenSea, which I don't know what that is. You guys might know that better than I would. The po- It's a popular digital art and collectibles marketplace. Zed is now up to nearly 11,000 horses sold with another 8,000 bred spread across 3,600 so-called stables. So this paragraph might shed some light on to where the value in these horses are coming from, which I... Don't think I'm going to find the answer to why someone in God's green earth would spend $125,000 for a virtual horse. But anyway, we'll try. Um, 
In Zed, horses are differentiated by a number of factors with established breed types and bloodlines tracing back to horses Zed created as coveted, coveted Genesis racers. Their odds of winning any given races are hidden to users with their race history providing the best information on their assigned prowess, which can vary based on race length. In the future, Ebeling said other factors like weather conditions and track location could impact results as well. So I guess a lot of it is based off racing performance. But the fact that they had like an original run of horses and people are trying to find like this bloodline to the original, which the term bloodline for this is funny because, you know, right. It's it's virtual. Right. <laughs> but I, I, that is one of the more intriguing and off the wall. I, all of the NFT stuff is kind of off the wall to me at this point, but. This one is very, very different. So, all right, I take it no one here is an expert in Zed Run digital horse racing. It, I'm assuming if it's in the four minute read Sportico article, I got you covered. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I'm assuming that it's almost like online gambling, how you can basically chip in real money. And gamble on horse races and win off of them, and so I, that's the that's the only way this makes sense to me is oh, wow. you can like put real money into this, and so someone bought a hundred and fifty thousand dollar horse in game because they can make money off of it. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Well, for this to be true, so I don't think you're wrong on any of that, Austin. Here's an interesting quote in this article as well. In my world, Zed is real. It exists on a parallel timeline to ours. It's quantum physics. It's 2150 on a planet called Novus Earth. On this Earth, digital horse racing reigns supreme. It's been put in place to balance out wealth. Zed owners are able to use augmented reality tech to view their horse as if it was in their own room. So if you own a horse and you have augmented reality, whatever... You can sit there in your room and your horse can be sitting next to your pig, Austin. Ah, yeah. How much is my pig worth? Uh, Rough calculations. I think it's $500,000. That's just rough. I need to sell this thing right now. (laughs) So NFT, and I'm not a huge NFT person, but it. So I don't know much about them. If it's to my understanding that it is some kind of it is something on the internet not like a cryptocurrency but similar but it is like steam has cards that you can sell for steam money that you can trade to like real money yeah that, to me i believe that's an nft right it's similar except that they're unique I was you know say, whereas like the steam cards are generated by playing certain games each one's got its right. own like unique serial number basically exactly right versus these cards like these cards are like they're a n- unique item in the sense that like you have a card right but it anyone who plays that game could unlock that card hmm. got you versus an nft it's which is a unique item in and of itself. And it's and it's either one offs or limited series. Got you. And like you so can't, say, you can't like, just go make your own. Right. 
Right. So that's so yeah. All right. So what 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 was the big seller? I think hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. I think the Steam cards 000. are just FTs. FTs. Yeah. So they're fungible tokens. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. So the closest thing to like that, like mind blowing amount, and it's not even that on that level. Was like back in the day, PUBG, right as it started started up you get like loot boxes and you could like get items in there there was an item in there that was a skirt that you could sell on steam for something like six hundred dollars the random loot box everyone loves loot boxes because it's random every time it's great it's fantastic transaction that developers have just honed in on love it to death (laughs) everyone can go fuck themselves sorry um uh, oh, I hate, I'm with you. I hate loot boxes. But you I can get them. a skirt, and it just is an accessory, and people would pay six hundred dollars for this accessory. One of my friends got it, sold it, and they haven't had to buy a Steam game in like six years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, so like, I, like knowing that, right? Like this horse. So sells for $125,000. You wouldn't have to My buy thought a Steam is game like, for are you reinvesting years. that? Or are you cashing that and being like, ha suckers? It's so what's I, I followed. I actually watched a virtual conference on NFT and sports, right? Um, and the one tidbit I took out of it that I thought was very interesting was NBA is kind of the, the leader in um in the sports world for this right now right um and i guess what they're saying is part of the reason people are paying some of these and they break it down from like you get in line and you pay x amount of money for a premium pack a gold pack silver bronze whatever right which is basically like a loot right or like or even old school baseball cards right like you got high level packages low level packages whatever um, who, who started that? Baseball cards or Pokemon cards? The tier uh, Pokemon cards. probably did it better than yeah. Pokemon cards. probably did it yeah. better, but baseball did it first. Yeah, well, they had cards. Baseball first. did it first. <laughs> right. I mean, so, yes. I don't know, like the difference. I don't, I don't know how you got cards other than just buying them one one at a time. Well, That's how I always so, buy season packs. Really? Yeah, like baseball. So you I think Go ahead, I think awesome. the the difference between baseball and like Pokemon cards is like baseball is like you get a card pack, you get a player. And as that player progresses in their career, that card is worth more. It's like the rookie cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, right. I, you get I a get rookie card. Sorry, I was more referring to the like the premium pack versus the gold versus like the shiny Pokemon. Yeah, you know, like you, there was. Well, I think more Pokemon expensive. is just like in general, it's just random. Period. Well, but they, I don't think there's like. You can get like booster packs, but well, and that was that's what I was talking about. Was like the booster packs. Like there were different levels of booster packs that, like, some of them were more expensive, but they guaranteed a rare. You know, right? True, true. That's the part I was saying. Was like, was Pokemon the first ones to do that? Where yeah. like you could pay a premium to get a better level booster that had a guaranteed like rare. Yeah. Well, they've that's the they're the first I remember because yeah. like you said, like you could buy baseball mm-hmm. cards in packs, right? But I don't remember there being like a like I, get I, a booster card pack that has a guaranteed. Yeah. Now here's the question: Was yeah. it Pokemon or was it Yu Gi Oh? 
Ooh, I forgot about because like Pokemon, it was like Pokemon, all right, Pokemon uh, comes out. There's 150 Pokemon. And it's like oh, you could get like a shiny card, but like Yu-Gi-Oh, it was like there are rare cards because like the launch of Yu-Gi-Oh was like 600 or 800 cards in there. No, that's a and good point. And all of a sudden, it's like you get the Yu-Gi deck, and you got like the Dark Magician, and people were like, "It's the Dark Magician." <laughs> Now that, yeah, that's a good oh, there point. There was a dragon the, in there too, wasn't the there? The special edition Pokemon cards really spurred off of the occasional, like it, it wasn't intended to be it initially. Yeah, shiny cards weren't intended to be special. Yeah, it right. was just a manufacturing process problem. Right. That then spurred into like like Pokemon realized like wow people love this we could make them mm-hmm. you know rare cards and stuff. You may be right. It may have been Yu Gi Oh. So because that. Because I remember Yu-Gi-Oh cards coming out, and I was a Yu-Gi-Oh card collector over Pokemon. I was all it's like, Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon. But that's me. because, like, well, I love Pokemon. I love the games, but like the cards, it's like here was a show about a card game, and now I can have the cards from that show. Hmm. Whereas like no, Pokemon, it's like I can't have a Pikachu. <laughs> I, I'd much rather just have a Pikachu. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The show was actually about the cards. Yeah. What I what I really don't understand, and I think it's it's too early for me to invest any kind of legitimate money in it, right? I, I mean, if you could pick up an NFT for ten dollars, I might do it because why the hell not, right? <laughs> um, but when they were talking about NBA Top Shot, a lot of people were saying that they're paying an exorbitant amount of money for it now because right now Top Shot's only in the United States. And their thinking is that the NBA is ginormous in China. There's multiple more times NBA fans in China than there is in the U.S. So their thought process is when it opens up to China and you can exchange with China, China will pay more money to get that card, which I'm not a very intelligent person. But where my brain went was, wait a minute, if they open it up to China, they could just make more that's the same exact tokens that you have. So then you, the value of these things is really. That's where it could go off the rails is right. what they do with supply. Right. Right. And that's that was the concern with Bitcoin and a lot of crypto also was like, what happens if they just open up the supply? Right. Because they're always mining it or whatever. Right. Well, I think. Uh, uh, I don't think you can mine Bitcoin anymore. No. Yeah. I but there's other they've like got it can. on lock. Like yeah. Dogecoin right now, if you want to talk about all oh, Dogecoin. Doge. I have a little Dogecoin. Do you? I don't have anything. I have about. I never got it. I got XRP and XLM. Too much moon. I XRP have... got taken off, didn't it? It did, but they're making a comeback. It, uh, it, okay. So what happened is, is they had to take it off because XRP was undergoing a lawsuit. And so what you would do is you would say, like, buy fifty dollars in bitcoin you could trade bitcoin for xrp still you just couldn't buy xrp directly so you would buy you'd buy bitcoin fifty dollars it had an exchange rate you exchange it to xrp well now you can buy xrp again and the reason why is because the company that owned the xrp name is actually winning the lawsuit and so the value of XRP, like I got like $200 in XRP right now. Well, I bought $200 and it was at like 47 cents per XRP. It's just like almost $2 now. So I've, 
quadrupled what I purchased. That's pretty impressive. I, I the thing that drives me a little nuts about Dogecoin too is it's not like the stock market where it shuts down at five o'clock and like reopens at nine. Doge is twenty four seven, and the fluctuations on it are insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go up two hundred percent and then down three hundred percent. Like it is nuts, absolutely nuts. But well, Dogecoin is what- like a weird anomaly in and of itself because the thing about Dogecoin is like how Bitcoin, like it, you can't like mine oh. Bitcoin anymore. There, there is a limited supply of Bitcoin. There is no limited. It, uh, Dogecoin is an unlimited supply of cryptocurrency. So anyone can get it. Anyone can farm it. They actually tell you on their website how to farm Dogecoin. But yet it went from like a month ago of like three cents to what now it's like 40 cents. It capped. It topped out at 40 the last week. Yeah. So it's like it, it's like a weird anomaly because like the reason why Bitcoin is so so high is because there is now a limited supply of it. Now, you could technically farm it illegally, but the thing with Dogecoin is it's not illegal to farm Dogecoin. So anyone can do it. Here's a fun fact. Um, Michael will remember this, but there was a Dogecoin car that raced in NASCAR back in 2014 for one race. To make that happen, I say driven by Josh Wise. Correct, uh, old Phil Parsons Racing. Rest in peace, the team, <laughs> not Phil. He's still with us. Uh, <laughs> so to make that sponsorship happen, they raised sixty-seven million dollars or sixty-seven million dollars, sixty-seven million Dogecoin, which equated to fifty-five thousand dollars at the time. When that forty dollars or forty cent hit last week that sponsorship was worth $22,532,100 that is insane yeah well I have a friend who bought like or who got obtained I don't know how they did it $100 worth of dogecoin when it was at like a cent well that's the thing it's been lower than a cent yeah they they got it at a little like when it started or like for the longest of time it was like uh, like three tenths of a cent here. If you would have bought it in June, May 28th of 2020. So that's, that's not even a year ago. It was point oh oh two six five, Right. Uh, so a quarter of a penny, right? Yeah. I, I mean, my goodness. And then to have it top out at 40 cents, that's, that's insane. Right. I mean, your your return on investment is absurd, even though the value of that Dogecoin is so low. Like percentage wise, huge. Anyways, crypto, NFT, all of that. The world is moving to a digital world faster than we actually think it is. Yeah, so, uh, I still question the staying power of NX, NXT, NST, NFTs. My Goodness, you'd think I'd been drinking. I haven't had a drop. I question the staying power because there's a there's a big chunk of it that feels a lot like a pyramid scheme. But we'll see. Right. Um, a lot of people say that about crypto too, and it's uh, you know it's taking off pretty good. So we'll see where it goes. Right. But and again, not very intelligent here, right? But if there's somebody who's telling you Dogecoin is worth, you're sitting on fifty million dollars worth of Dogecoin. 
and you go to cash that out, if all of a sudden everybody is sitting on millions and millions of dollars in Dogecoin, do we actually have the money in America to pay this out? Is that a dumb question? Like, <laughs> It's a valid question. You know what I mean? If all these people all of a sudden go from... 0.002 cents to 50 million dollars <laughs> like i don't know if we well, have the actual cash the liquidity to back any of this shit up well see that's the thing like with bitcoin like everyone like bitcoin's like the godfather of cryptocurrency you cannot actually sell all of your bitcoin at one time like you can actually only sell up to a cash amount per day right so if you were one of those people who like bought Bitcoin when it was at like 30 cents, like five years ago, and now all of a sudden you're, you know, a multimillionaire in Bitcoin, you actually can't sell it. You can only sell a little bit of it at a time. So, yeah, you're a hundred millionaire in Bitcoin, but really you can sell like 50K of it like a week. I did once hear the saying. Uh, Bitcoin is for someone who wants to be able to be worth millions, but not afford a bag of chips at the same time. I thought exactly. That was funny. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's it is a currency, but they're like, it's not like I have a million dollars. It's no, you have maybe 10,000. 10, like that's that's truthfully what you've got because you can't sell it. It's amazing. Amazing. But hey. Who knows? Maybe but, a couple, maybe maybe thirty years from now, will this somebody will listen to this and it'll be like, we'll, we'll sound like the old men yelling to get off our wall. <laughs> well, well, right? We'll probably we probably already sound hey, like that, old men. That's that's why I'm holding on to my what is now equivalent of a thousand dollars in XRP because it's like you know what? <laughs> in five gonna... years, if this takes off, yeah, I will be sitting pretty with what fake money I have, laughing at people. Yeah, I will be laughing his... and rich. With his Zed horse sitting in his room, laughing at our dumbasses for, yeah. for not breeding enough horses. AR horse. petting my horse, giving it a fake piece of sugar. I was going to say, is he sitting in the room or is the horse fake? Have we found out a way to make the fake horse real and it's sitting in the room? There is no reality. Anyway, guys, we got to wrap up. We got to go stream. Uh, you can find us, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Uh, just look for Roundabout Productions. That's where you can find more of these podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at roundabout underscore pro. Find us on Facebook, Roundabout Productions, YouTube, Roundabout Productions, and Twitch, where we do some live gaming and play with you. Uh, that is also Roundabout Productions. So find us. Let's hang out. Do some uh, do some fun gaming. Chat with us. Tell us what you think of crypto NFTs. Do you even understand them? And uh, until next time, guys. And tell me what is your most hated flavored beer? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Tell yeah. us. And your favorite. Or your favorite. Favorite alcohol, I just want to know why people favorite. hate the same things I hate. I'm with you. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And we'll uh, we'll see you on stream. See you. All right. See you.